Hey everybody, welcome to the Visual Lounge. We're so glad that you guys are here with us today, wherever you're watching or if you're listening to the podcast after the fact. We're so grateful for you guys tuning in. We've got a fantastic guest today. It's someone I, I've had the privilege of knowing for a number of years now, kind of through some various relationships uh, in terms of we were doing, right, working for a blog, writing for a blog, really, I wasn't working for him. And he has been super successful on YouTube and we get the chance, the privilege to pick his brain a little bit today. So please let us know if you got questions for Tim Schmoyer today and my, for, for myself, we're gonna make sure we answer those. Um, but we're gonna we're gonna jump in here. Let me let me just introduce maybe a little bit more formally, Tim. So I first met Tim, as I said before, at, at a real SEO conference. And real SEO, if you don't know, is a blog that talked about video. It talked about SEO and how those connected. Um, and I had the chance to watch Tim grow his own YouTube channel. And what presses me about Tim is not only that he's an awesome creator and has been so generous with his knowledge, but he is just such a nice person. He's humble and and he's really a dad and husband first, and, and I, it's just such a great example in that way. And Tim, you should also know, founded videocreators.com, which is a premier online community for YouTube creators and entrepreneurs. He's a YouTube certified expert. His video creators channel has over 500,000 subscribers, and his videos have have tens of thousands, uh, tens of millions of views. And we're so grateful Tim Schmoyer is here to join us and share his wiz wisdom with us here in the Visual Lounge. So welcome, Tim. Hey. Hell, how are you? Good to see you again, Matt. It's good to see you too. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah. we're, it's always a pleasure to get to talk to you. I think it's it's been a little bit. I think the last time we actually got to talk with each other was at Video Marketing World in like 2008. So pre-plague. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was yeah several years. Ago. Oh. Uh, 2008. Wow, that was even 18, further. 2018. Oh, 18. Oh, okay. Sorry. Yeah, I was like, was that that one? Okay, I remember the real summit when we first met. Uh, and I still remember talking to you for the first time in that lobby foyer area there outside the main teaching area. And so like I said, that, that memory, yeah, you mentioned that. I'm like, yeah, I totally remember that. It's, it's, there's not too many of us, it's, you know, maybe a couple dozen, but that are still around now that were still active in this industry back then. So that's, that's, uh, us OG people can, uh, yeah, can hopefully help each other out and keep moving forward. And I can, I can guarantee that when I met you, you were wearing a hat, which is, a, I think, it a signature. It might have been this hat. <laughs> it might have been that hat. <laughs> no, it wasn't this hat. I go about every five or six years, it ends up disintegrating, and I have to get another one. <laughs> yeah. Well, Tim, for our audience, there's probably a lot of people who have, who have never come across your channel. They haven't met you. And I gave a little bit of an introduction. But is there anything else that you would want people to know about you as we get started here and about your kind of history and background with making YouTube videos? Yeah, I got started on YouTube back in 2006. I was, uh, oh no, 2000, yeah, 2006. March 2nd, 2006 was my, my first video. I was in graduate school dating this girl at the time. And I was like, I want to introduce her to my family, like back home across the country. And I started a little blog, use it as the way we use Facebook today. Back then, Facebook hadn't started, um, or at least I didn't have access to it at that time. And so I found this thing called YouTube and I'm like, oh, we can take little videos together and I could email those links to my family back home. And I did that. And uh, my very first video is called test video, 30 seconds long. You know, I put a lot of energy into this thing, just wondering if I could even get a video on YouTube in the first place and figured it out. So we started making what today would be known as vlogs. Back then, that wasn't a word. We were just being awkward in public with the camera. We would just go out and make videos of each other hanging out the park, going out to movies, going out to eat. And 
I put those on YouTube and the email, the link to my friends and family back home. Like here's this girl or I'm, I'm dating. And uh, I started getting a little freaked out when other people started to watch and comment. And I was like, whoa, like there's more views on this video than I sent this email out to. <laughs> like what's going on here? <laughs> and back then in MySpace days, remember like you don't use your real name on the internet. If any, if you do, someone will hunt you down and kill you for some reason. And so I started like, whoa, what's happening here? Like, who is Catlicker72 and why do they keep commenting <laughs> on my videos? How are people finding my videos? Why do they keep coming back to my videos? Like, how is this platform working? And so reaching out to people and a lot of people are like, we don't know, Tim. Those are great questions. If you figure it out, let us know. We'd love to know the answers to that too. So I like a good good problem, a good challenge. So start figuring it out. And uh, that's when I actually started working with Mark at Real SEO. And I started reading his blog a lot and then started talking and emailing with him, asking him questions. And, and he would like, uh, I, I think I, I, I sent him a few questions in my very first email. And then we finally got on the phone and he's like, who are you? Like, I don't know the answer to these questions either. Like, and then I started the journey of eventually starting video creators. And now we, uh, the YouTube, an agency that does YouTube strategy, custom strategy for brands and creators. And we've done work for Disney, for Warner Brothers, for HBO, for eBay, for Budweiser, for YouTube themselves, for Twitch, and, and helping our clients generate today um, over 18 billion views on the platform all organically through search and discovery systems. So it's been quite a ride since then. And uh, yeah, Matt, you were there at the very, very beginning, even before video creators started when I was still just doing contract work with Real SEO. So always fun to catch up and remember those stories. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that those numbers are incredible. Like I, you know, we talk about like people having success on YouTube, but there, I mean, 18 billion across the people, all the people that you help. That's, that's astounding. And my guess is Tim along that way. And along this journey, as you said, you know, you had questions and you just start, we're trying to get answers that you, you've probably learned a thing or two uh, about. Yeah. What, yeah maybe two or three. That's about it. Probably. <laughs> Not, no more than that. That's, we have a cap. Um, uh, I'm, I'm curious, it, yeah. you know, because I think one of the things that happens, and you know, the, a lot of the audience we talk to, they're not the big brand. They're they're doing videos for lots of reasons. Sometimes it's for YouTube, but a lot yeah. of times it's like I'm making internal training videos. I, I just want to communicate mm -hmm. a message that I've got. You know, they're not thinking about you know maybe you know, everyone maybe dreams. These people maybe they dream about going viral and get big. But but what's something that you've learned? Like if there was one big thing you, you think you could. I, I know one thing is a lot to summarize into, but like, is there one big thing that you think, like, if you could tell people one thing about making videos that you would say, this is the thing that I would, your message to the world. Um, and I don't want to, I'm not trying to oversimplify this, but I think it's like, it helps no, us hone but we in. need a starting point. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, I'm thinking about a session I just did with a creator this morning. Um, who's got about 7,000 subscribers uh, and been working really hard on the channel. But this person has uh, a really successful blog with over 10 million monthly uniques, uh, you know, so really successful on the blog side, trying to get the YouTube thing going. And, uh, and we hear that story a lot of people are like, hey, I know how to do this thing really well. And I'm trying to do it on YouTube and it's not like really translating over to this platform. What What's going on? And most of the time, like it was with like this client this morning, it is, they, they're, they're coming from a really technical perspective 
on like, I know SEO, this is how it works on Google. This is how it works, you know, um, for page ranking and for time on page and like all that kind of stuff. And, and so when they come to making like YouTube content and, and videos, I'm going to summarize it off coming to a point here, but they yeah, come no to worries. like YouTube, the YouTube side is that it's like, okay, I'm just going to take what I know about Google and about blogs and websites and things and, and, that SEO and bring it over to, to YouTube. And then they work on that for a while. And then after a few months, they end up talking with us because it's just not working. And the, and the reason for that, and this is the direction like Google's been going as well, but like what I do with this person is like, okay, let's pull up the homepage of google.com. Let's pull up the homepage of youtube.com. What's different between these, like the homepages of these two websites indicate these are very different platforms. One is mostly white with only like one main action you can take in the middle, which is to create a search query. The other one has search, but it's not where your eye goes. It's like kind of up and out of the way at the top. The rest of it is like, which video do you want to watch first? Like there's a lot, they're just putting content that I didn't even look for. On, on Google, it's like people have to actually make a query and go look for something. And then it's like you versus the other 20 people that are probably going to get clicked. Versus on YouTube, people don't even have to look for something. They're just going to browse content and catch up with their favorite channels. No one's like, hey, I want to go catch up with my favorite Googlers. Right? <laughs> it's like, but they will go catch up with their favorite YouTubers. And, uh, and so what it really comes down to in order to win on, on YouTube is to have a different mentality, a different approach. And a lot of people in the Google space have a very technical approach to how they're going to do this. And they bring it over to YouTube expecting the same thing and it doesn't work. And, and instead of having a technical approach, what we really teach and push and drive home here video creators is that you need to have a human approach. This is really has very little to do with trying to convince algorithms and robots what your video is about. They know. They can figure it out. They are literally scanning your video frame by frame while it's uploading. And if there is something that's racy, there's something that's too violent that, you know, that's in, like you haven't given them any metadata, they will block that video from even being published even before it finished uploading. So they don't need the, and there's a lot, I mean, a lot of people push back on that, but like, you know, happy to dive into that and prove my case in more ways if you'd like. But basically, um, they don't need your metadata. All they need is like your video file and they can see what's happening frame by frame. So uh, it really comes down to winning on YouTube. If I'm going to boil it all down to the one thing that people really need to consider to win is to optimize for humans, for people, not for robots. It's not about your tags. It's not about your keywords. It's not about like you know, how many times you repeated your keyword in that captions file, or if you put it in your video file, this is all you know, BS stuff that really has nothing to do with, with video ranking anything at all ever. Uh, well, not ever, but currently on YouTube. So it's really like the human element. How do I craft titles and thumbnails that just get someone to click and get someone to be like, oh, I'm curious. It prompted to like, intrigue some curiosity that they're like what happens next or how does that work or something that gets them to click and then youtube's goal is to put the right video for the right person at the right time and they will just figure out who needs that video based on the signals that they're getting from the people who are watching it so yeah make a, a short story long for you there you go <laughs> no that's that's uh, that's fantastic and I'm, I'm i let's dive in a little bit so you talked about obviously like thumbnails and like titles things it sounds like the, the initial thing is you want to capture, just capture attention. If you want to be a video to be successful, you need to capture enough 
kind of weight of people's attention that it then the algorithm says, well, that's that gets people's attention because they're because YouTube's goal is not your goal. Is that is that fair to say? YouTube's goal is to get you to watch as many videos on YouTube as you can, whereas your goal might be slightly different. Your goal might not be to get them right. to watch a thousand videos. It might be to give them a certain message. But the, the first thing is that that initial let's capture them. So, so let's talk about title. Can we talk about titles and thumbnails a little bit? Like sure. in, in, in yeah. your mind, what makes those more approachable? And, you know, I've, I've talked to other people about about this and we, we've actually got data um, that shows that, you know, your thumbnail title and description are, are like from a and we're looking across all videos, not just YouTube, but like that, those are really important signals uh, to, to tell people like what you're going to get. And cause people don't watch vi videos that they don't care about topic wise right. or relevant to them. So what, what do you think goes into making, let's, let's start with a thumbnail. What, what makes a thumbnail human and good and clickable? Well, I think it's kind of hard to separate the title from the thumbnail, unless you're going after like two-year-olds or like the made for kids content where they're not really reading the text or the titles as much, but anyone older than that, typically is right. like seeing the, the title and the thumbnail together. So the, if we're going to separate them, I think the thumbnail makes most sense when it is uh, something that's very clear visually where people who are just quickly scrolling on their phone, it's good. We say it's gotta be a thumb stopping thumbnail. It's gotta just be something that stops with the scroll and be like, Oh, what is that? And, and then, and the thing that, it, so uh, can they just glance at it? It's a pass the glance test. And they, and like and they can clearly see what it is in a, in a second or two. Too many people make their thumbnails with lots of text, which looks fine if you're editing that thumbnail on 5K iMac screen and it's at its full 1080p resolution or something. But when you scale it all the way down to like really tiny, what is the eye attracted to first? Where does it look at? And if it's not really attracted to anything, it just gets passed by. Especially if they've got to stop and read in order for it to make sense. It can't do it. It's got to pass the glance test. So good, strong visuals typically is what we say there. We're not saying you shouldn't use text in the thumbnail, but if you do use text in the, in the thumbnail, it should complement the, the title in some way, not just merely repeat it. So if the thumbnail is like how to change the, uh, if the title is how to change the oil in your car, the text on the thumbnail shouldn't be like change the oil in your car. Instead, it should be like 10 minutes or less or the easy way or something that complements the title, not just like repeats it. And then the visual just needs to be something that's enticing, something that creates intrigue. The way you get a click in, onto your, into your video is that title on thumbnail creates tension in the brain of your viewer. And when that tension is there, they, wherever the highest tension is with whatever they're seeing on screen, that's what's going to get the click. And if, because the brain, the only way to alleviate that tension it feels is to click and see what happens. How does this work? Or is that for real? Or like, no way, or like whatever, like whatever that tension is, they, it, they they're prompted to click to alleviate that tension. And so if you want to win, it's about like creating tension, not just using titles and thumbnails that merely describe the product, or describe the content or describe whatever's in there as if we're kind of using an old school card catalog system or something to rank these things. It is like, if, if YouTube surfaces this video to the right person at the right time, will they click? Yes or no? And the answer is yes. Enough times for enough people. That's when the video starts getting suggested more and you get uh, more traction on it because 
people, uh, YouTube's collecting positive viewer signals about that content, which is the thing that actually promotes that video and makes it rank better in the long run. Yeah, well, so, I, I, as you, I, yeah, as you've shared this, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm okay. I made that mistake. I made that mistake. <laughs> it's this it's is hard great. to do. Yeah, that's the next question. How you do that? Too. I'm like, ah, that's a different question. But yeah. Well, but but still, I I love that idea that the especially the text on on the thumbnail, right? Because we use text on it. But I was thinking through even the show, right? Like we just put kind of the title, and and we do that for a couple of reasons. But like the but the best thing is, it sounds like, is to make it so it's gonna draw you in. And I love what you said, like if it's changing oil, what do people want about changing their oil? They want it to be easy or fast or simple. They don't want a bunch of complications with that. So that's, right. I, I like that advice. I think it makes a lot of sense. Um, so in terms of humanizing, we talked about the kind of drawing in, in terms of the, like the video, the videos themselves, how important do you feel like it is to have kind of a human, like the video itself be more humanized, whether that's people or faces, or does that, really not matter so much um it depends on what you mean by humanize like i think what most people think of myself included when i think of humanize i think of like do there needs to be um a person on camera mm -hmm. and is that what you're asking because i don't yeah, think yeah. there needs to be a person on camera but it still needs to be human though which would like be more about telling a good story, either about yourself or your brand or your company or your product, or even telling your audience's story. Uh, if it's just like, um, yeah. And, and so sometimes people will put themselves on camera and I think there's a very valid reason to do that, but there are also a lot of animated channels where you never see the, the face behind the voiceover itself. And a lot of those channels can do very well and be very successful because it's still creating a human connection that even though you can't see their face, they're still telling stories that feel real, that feel authentic, and that people are connecting with on an emotional level. So I guess when I hear you say like the human level, I would, I think I agree. Yes, but I don't mean it. I don't think it needs to have your face on it. I guess I would rephrase it and say like, it needs to connect on an emotional level whether that's like understand this, people are going to solve my problem and this problem means, means something to me or uh, something else. It's just, it's, yeah, it's got to create a human connection with the audience. No, I, I think that makes, makes total sense. Right. Like, and, and as a company that makes a tool that records your screen, I, I'm glad that that's true for you that you capture. And I wasn't asking that question because of that, but it, it, it makes sense. Right. Cause I, I do think there's a tendency for people to think that they have to be on camera. They have to put in all this yeah. kind of other work, but it just sounds like, well, if you're making a connection with someone, whether it's your story right. or you're being helpful, then that can, that can be enough. Yeah, I watched a, uh, I just bought a new camera last, no, this week, I bought this new camera, it comes in the mail next week. And I, when I was doing a whole bunch of research on this thing, I came across this one guy who reviewed it. It was so well done. I need to go back and find this, this video. He, he didn't speak once on, on the, uh, which was weird. Like, how do you do a camera re gear review? He spoke, but it was a hundred percent voiceover with him just telling a story and, and, I, and I mean like an actual story like he was a character who wanted something I want the same thing I want a camera that can do this and solve this problem but he couldn't have it because there's not a camera who does this not a camera who solves that problem and if he doesn't get it what are the stakes for him like well my I do this professionally and I'm just going to continue to miss shots of these weddings and these that I shoot and I can't do that you know like that's my career and so a, dis a disappointed bride is like a really big stake for him so 
what does the character do? Well, he starts doing all these tests and he starts like trying to overcome all these obstacles. And I'm watching like, this is a camera re- gear review where most people just jump straight into the, te- the, the technical specs and the, and the, yeah, the, the stuff about like what it can do and what it can't do, the, the features. He's like all about, and I'm like, I was thoroughly engaged and not once did he come on camera and, and like just do like a talking head thing. It was all, boy. now he did show his face on where I presumed it was him anyway. <laughs> um, like when he was doing some of the, some shots of him shooting at, at weddings and stuff, but it was all a hundred percent voiceover with B-roll and it worked amazingly well. And it was one of the videos that convinced me to go ahead and buy this thing. Oh, so that's awesome. it was just a really good story. It wasn't, it was like, it was a hundred percent focused on the benefits, not just the features. Oh, that's, that's, that's super cool. Uh, we've had two questions come in. I'm going to post the first one here. I think you'll be able to see it, Tim. Uh, this is from Andy Owen. He says, oops, if we have a high ranking video on a subject after a couple of years, should we update the title description tags, or should we create a whole new replacement update video? So speaking about that, you know, how important those are, if you've got videos that you've already done, should you go out and and change those kind of later on? What what are your thoughts? Uh, I think the only reason I would bother to do it is if the old video is like outdated, outdated or wrong, or the screen capture tutorial you did, like the click through, like the design is all different now on the platform, and uh, it doesn't make sense anymore. People are confused, even though YouTube's still surfacing it. You're like, why? Like it's not the right video anymore. So in, if in, the, in that case, I would definitely update it. And then I would put a link in the description of that video and put interactive cards and end screens pointing to the updated updated version for that. Uh, I don't think I would go back and mess with it just because like, like oh, okay, so we're doing really well. I think I have a better title idea. Let me like, so I wouldn't touch it. Like if it's doing well, and if you're one of your top performing videos, certainly just leave well enough alone. Don't broke, don't don't fix it if it's not broken or whatever it is. So I don't think I'd do it. Yeah, um, makes makes sense. But yeah, it's, it's, it's <clears> interesting, <throat> right? Because I guess if it's performing well, you probably don't have a need. I guess the question: if it's right. not performing well, maybe you'd have nothing to lose at that point, right? Like, yeah, certainly, yeah, yeah. If it's not if it's not getting traction, yeah, then go back and update it and and give it a couple different title thumbnail ideas. Let it sit for a few months. See if it comes back. If it doesn't, if it's still not performing, change it again. Uh, I think it's diminishing returns after a few attempts. It's like, okay, the issue is probably the content itself and no amount of title thumbnail tweaking is going to make this thing actually any different. Yeah. Can't take bad, not good content and make it somehow good because it's got a good title, right? Like, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one, one other question that came up, then we'll go on to some other stuff. Uh, Miami tours asks, how important is 4k in terms of thumbnails and video? So obviously cameras, are able to do a lot more than they were able to do when we were first starting to do this. Uh, is it important to have 4K for, and what size, thumb, I think thumbnail is probably just kind of normal HD resolution or 1920, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. thumbnails doesn't really matter. 1080p is fine. You could do 4K, they won't spit it back at you. Their, their requirements that it's under two meg. So whatever is under two meg, whatever resolution. We do ours at 1080. We also do our videos at 1080p as well. Uh, I shoot in 4K, but that's just because I'm doing like a pseudo multicam type thing where we got this 4K resolution image and then I can do like get one wide shot and then like a couple tight shots out of the same camera without having to do like multiple 
camera angles and stuff. So it's not, it's not, um, like an actual multi-cam shoot, but it kind of gets the same thing without having to do multiple cameras. So we shoot in 4K so that we can crop in without having any quality loss or pixelization or anything like that. But we're editing on 1080p timeline. I think 4K makes sense if you're, if there's a really a good reason why you want to future-proof your content. And like, for example, as videos of your kids or you know, of your family or dog or whatever, like those videos, you might just really want to be like in, in 25 years from now, I still want this to like look good. Cause it would be kind of like 25 years from now, I'll be like the way we look at 480p now. You're like, is that a video? It's too hard. It's too small to see. <laughs> so, but if it's kind of the content like I'm doing on my channel, a lot of it's educational content and like three years from now, most of that information is going to be out of date as YouTube continues to change and evolve anyway, that I'm just going to stick 1080p and that's totally sufficient. YouTube systems don't care what the resolution is. They're just looking at when we show this video, do people engage with it? Yes or no. And most people don't care that if it's 4k or 1080p, they just want to know, is this what I need? Is this solving a problem of mine? Is there a good story here that's really holding my attention and keeping me engaged? And that's more important than the resolution. Oh, that makes, I mean, that makes so much sense, right? Like, especially, especially I know in the software world too, our stuff is changing, you know, like we'll have a year between a release and then that old content might be useful to some people, but Mm -hmm. as long as I think if, as long as it's clear, you can see everything you need to see, it's understandable, then, you know, why invest in trying to make it super big? Because that's harder to edit, more storage space, all the things that happen along with bigger, more footage, right? You need faster computers, yeah, and all that stuff, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I think it's, well, mostly it's good to have, but yeah, if you future-proof it. For sure. Well, Tim, one of the things I want to go, jumping back into to some other questions here, you know, as you've worked with a lot of different creators over the years, you worked with these organizations, is, is there something that you found that just really, what, what do people struggle with in learning and doing this process? Like, what's the thing that's hard? Uh, and then what I want to do is follow that up with, the, with what advice you'd give them, because I feel like obviously there's a lot of people, more people are doing YouTube than ever. More people are making videos than ever. I think are the state of the world, you know, 2020 sent a whole bunch of people having to make videos who never thought they were going to make videos because of now they're working from mm-hmm. home, can't be in the office. Um, they can't, they don't have the same methodologies to get their, their messages out. So what do you find that like of all these people you've talked to, is there a common kind of thing? Like just that's the thing that people struggle with. And then what do you help them with? Yeah. So the, the barrier of entry for success on YouTube keeps kind of changing and getting higher over time. So, you know, back when we first started, it was like, can you get a video from your camera and onto YouTube? If you can, there's not really a whole lot of competition there, you know, like, and, and certainly there was, there was a time when that was like the barrier of entry. There's like maybe 15 channels that most people were watching and that was about it. And as YouTube continued to grow, the barrier got a little bit higher. Then it was like, okay, well, can you just do that consistently? And then you started seeing a lot of um, family uh, family vloggers and people just trying to like, okay, then it became like, just do it daily and just do it like more and more and more. But we got this idea of feeding the beast, which um, is not how it works today at all. But it's still left over. People still think that. Um, And then then the barrier of entry kind of shifted to like, okay, can you be consistent, but can you make it look cool? 
And we saw a lot of these visual effects and CGI type of channels really like, oh, this looks cool. They're kind of making it look like something I'd watch in a movie theater on television. And it was all about the production value. But now we've got a lot of those. And people turned out like, ah, I don't really care about as much about the production value. And I don't even really care if you publish a new video every single day. In fact, some of the top channels on YouTube are only publishing like one or two videos a month. Like the ones who've got like uh, 50 million subscribers or like 15 million subscribers. Those channels are um, not doing the quantity game. They are 100% into the quality game. So, uh, which is the right place to be here uh, today on YouTube. But uh, and so the next barrier of entry now isn't like, isn't quantity, it's not consistency, it's, it really comes down to like, how well can you make a human connection and make someone feel something in a really engaging way? And that skill really comes down to kind of what we alluded to already a little bit, but telling good stories, which is uh, 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 the, like the process that we use with, with our clients to try to really simplify it and make it simple is like we're like hey before you even press record try to answer as many of these questions as you can about the content of the video you're about to, you're you're thinking about making number one who is the character number two what do they want i'm ruining like every movie for you now sorry but it's like <laughs> it's like three why can't they have what they want number four what's at stake if they don't get what they want number five who or what comes along and helps the character do what they couldn't do before Number six, how does the character ultimately get what they wanted? And number seven, how is the character, and this is a, like, this is the main thing, like how is the character transformed by this process? So whether you're doing like an educational tutorial video about um, Excel or taxes, or you are like a personality channel, it doesn't matter. Like you're, you are a character you want to, do you really just want to learn how to click on this thing in, in, in Excel? Or are you actually trying to like grow a business and that business means the world to you. And part of what you need to do to learn to grow that business is you need the skill of learning how to use Excel. So open up that Excel tutorial about like, again, bring back to the reward, the benefit that the person actually wants, like as, as your viewer is a character who wants something and can't have it. That's why they're watching you, who is now the guide in their story so that they can experience the transformation in their life that they really want to experience. So understanding your audience's story and then and then crafting your content in a way that is a story that connects with their story, that is really super powerful. There's not a whole lot of people right now that are doing that well, but those who do are just killing it. They are exploding on YouTube faster that like and by exploding, I mean like hundreds of thousands of, of subscribers per day. You know, just blowing past a million subscribers and growing very rapidly and quickly. Uh, one of my favorite examples of this is uh, I got a couple of them actually. And, and I know if you're like a, a personality channel or something like that, entertainment, like this makes a little bit more sense. Usually the people get hung up and tripped over this are the, or like the educational, the tutorial, like I'm just trying to teach someone something. I don't really want to tell a story here. How does this even apply? How does that work? Um, I think you're smoking something, Tim, and that's okay. We get to, a lot of people think that at first when we start telling them. But a couple of examples of this, uh, let's use, friend uh brad rodriguez channel fix this build that and as a used to be a straightforward woodworking tutorial you know video channel like here you drill the hole here you put this part here you cut it to this dimension and boom you, here you made this thing right but over the past uh, year or so he's made the shift there was a little less of like how to build this dresser and more about um 
Uh, my wife told me that she hates our dresser in our bedroom. She just thinks it looks dated and ugly. And she wanted me to build her a new one. But I've never built a dresser before. And frankly, I don't really know how to build one that would look more modern. So I set out to see if I could do that. Right now, that's a, it's just going to be the same video of him building the dresser, except for he's going to show some of his failures along the way. He's going to he's he's going to um, he's going to make some mistakes and he shows all of them. And he's like, and it's not just like about building the dresser, but he has more intrigue to it, too. He's like, yeah, I built a dresser with a secret compartment. And now you're like, what's in the secret <laughs> compartment? Like, what are you going to use that for? Now there's more intrigue and you're watching it not as much just for the dresser. But kind of like, what's his wife's reaction going to be? Is he going is is he going to be able to pull this off? Is his wife going to come home from this trip and be totally surprised, right? And it's more of that human element we we're talking about earlier. Now that turns what could have been just a standard, straight up, here's how you build this thing, and more of like turning it into a story. Another good example is a, a another guy, uh, Justin Rhodes, and he's a homesteading channel. And instead of just doing like, here's how you move your chickens from point A to point B across your field, instead he's like. I got to get my, my chickens from here to over there, but, um, but it's going to rain. Start. It's already in the obstacle. You already know what he wants, but he's like, it's going to rain. There's this road in the middle and like trucks come flying down here. And if we get this at the wrong time, a truck will come by and just kill our entire flock of chickens. And I almost think of thinking like, I know that he knows that the likelihood of this happening is very, very low, <laughs> but you're still like, but could it, right? And so now you're learning how to move your chickens across the field. But by the end of it, the transformation isn't really that they got the chickens to point A to the point B, but that they did it together as a family and as kids were involved and everyone was a part of that process. And together they feel proud and confident about what they've done. And you can see the kids going from feeling like, I don't know if I can do this. Like, am I doing the right thing to the end? Of, we did it, dad. And you can see the confidence transformation in those kids, those characters. So it could have, again, it could have been just a straight up tutorial. But instead, it turned into a story that really had like a much more emotional appeal. And now people are watching both of their channels, not because they care about woodworking or homesteading, but because they care about the characters and those stories and, are, and the, just the curiosity that is prompted by their titles and thumbnails that gets them into what are now just hidden educational tutorials in, in uh, what they're doing. So yeah. does that make sense when I explain it like that? It, it, yeah, no, it absolutely does. And I, and I love those examples. And I, so I'm going to play a little bit of the, ad, you know, adversarial yeah, role here for a second, because I, I think there's probably someone who's going to watch this or listen to this and say like, okay, but I, I know that you do that, but then you're just going to add time and this video is going to be longer and it's going to be harder to create oh, yeah. like all the, op like all the things that, that you could say like, well, but that's hard. Like, it's hard to do that. Yeah. Well, it's hard to, it's going to take it me is. more time. Um, yeah. <laughs> I guess what what would you say to the, the those folks who are going to be like ah, but I don't want my videos. This is to be what, that's what I say to my kids. I hope this doesn't sound the meaning now, but I said it like that. But I don't mean it that way. <laughs> but I, one of the sayings in the Schmoyer household is "Good work brings good reward," and we believe that's true whether you work hard and then get to have some ice cream after a hard day of working in the lawn, like mom or whatever it is. Uh, it is. Good work brings good reward. And so if you want the good reward, the barrier of entry is higher now than just like, can I crank out five videos in an afternoon and be done for the month, right? It, the, the quantity game, it's the quality game. And the quality is not production quality. It's human connection quality. 
So I could sit here in my studio, and this is what's really comfortable for me. I'll just use myself as an example. It's really comfortable for me to just sit down in front of my camera and crank out 10 videos in one afternoon of three tips for this and five ways to do that and um, this tutorial and that like that. I can do that all day. And I personally refer to that for myself as lazy content. Is lazy. I can just do that, crank it out, and be done. And on one hand, efficiency is certainly important. But none of those videos perform that well anymore. And at the end of the day, if I'm going to be honest with myself, I kind of feel like I just wasted an afternoon because I still got the same, let's say, 5,000 views on those videos as I would have gotten on. Like It's just the same 5,000 people over and over again. I'm not actually gaining momentum or taking new ground or gaining traction. My channel's not necessarily growing. I'm just kind of keeping the same core base engaged. And even then, if I keep doing that, they'll eventually kind of like, okay, yeah, I've seen this, been there, Tim. Like, it's kind of like, I got it. And and even they will start to dwindle. So I have to be thinking about how do I go after a new audience? How do I now stand out above my competition? How do I do something that's new and, re and refreshing and different? And uh, And you can't do something new and refreshing and different that doesn't take like a lot of additional work now. It's kind of like I'm starting over again. And there was a time when sitting like back in my real SEO days uh, with you, Matt, like there was a time when that actually did take me all afternoon to do one video, but I've done it so often. I got my reps in, it doesn't anymore. And now I just have to learn a new skill set. Like I get my reps in and learn that skill set to be head and shoulders above, ever, above everyone else and not just being like, you know, here's five ways to do this one thing. But guys, I'm trying to do this thing. I'm trying to grow my channel and it's just not working. I'm be honest with you guys. Like I know it's a YouTube expert, but sometimes I feel like the car mechanic who drives the clunky car because I spend all day working on other people's cars and never on my own, right? And 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 I need to figure out how to reinvent myself. Like, look, here's guys, here's my channel metrics. They're flat. Um, is dead. In fact, the channel the channel is declining. And for a guy who's supposed to be a video expert, like this is just kind of embarrassing. But here's what I feel like I'm gonna do. Number one, I feel like I'm gonna try this first, and then and then like let's go and do this example. And now like right into the same content I would have said before. But now there's like more emotional human connection to it because I told you what I wanted. I risked some vulnerability. I told you like, you know, what was at stake for me? And in that case, it's an internal stake of feeling a little bit embarrassed about it. And, uh, and, and then that is way more engaging than like, I'm the expert. Let me show you how to do it. Let me give me give you a different example. Sorry, you kind of got me on a soapbox here. No, this is great. Um, uh, I was watching a, this was last summer. My wife and I, we have we have five acres and there's a lot of trees on it, a lot of mature trees. So there's a lot, like we try to mow it, it's just like a lot of, like there's no one straight path across any one point, right? So <laughs> um, so we have a zero turn lawnmower and this is an older one. We got it used and the alternator went out and needed a new alternator. And so I'm not very mechanically inclined, but I go on YouTube and I find the exact video I need. It's the exact tutorial. It was like undo for my exact lawnmower. It was undo this screw, then undo that bolt, then unplug this, set this off to the side like this because you need this later. It's exactly what I needed. Got the alternator replaced. And then I watched and the guy did all the steps backwards. Perfect. Exactly. I'll replace it successfully. And thank you very much. And it got maximum watch time for me. I watched the entire video, like in parts of it multiple times. Uh, mm -hmm. If you would ask me three hours later, hey, Tim, uh, whose who's channel was that on? Like wh that video that you watched, like who's that creator? I've been like, uh, <laughs> I don't know. In fact, I don't even know how to go find it again if I wanted to. That guy was too forgettable. He gave me exactly the tutorial how-to content I needed. 
but he I don't know anything about him, who he is. Why is what does Lons mean to him? Like, why does he care about that? And I'm not saying is you can't do that tutorial. And it's for you need to like artificially inflate the intro to be about like all about you and your story or something like that and delay the actual content people click for. Instead, it's about integrating your story into the tutorial itself. While he was sh t showing me how to undo this, if he was like, oh, oh man, like this one's always gets stuck. Like I hate it. Like, in fact, like my wife told me this, so, like one thing that she got me this oil. I never used this oil to like lubricate. At least I would have heard knowing something about his story. And I would be like, yeah, dude, that one's stuck for me too. Like, oh, oil. Okay, good. Like your wife sounds pretty smart. <laughs> and <laughs> I would have, I would have had more of a human connection to that creator in that process. Uh, another, Sorry, one more example, and then I'll let you talk. <laughs> no, no, this is great. This is great. Uh, we worked at the channel about a year and a half ago now, and they uh, had seven full-time people on this YouTube channel, and they were all of them had television Hollywood production backgrounds, and they were shooting in 8K on Red oh. Epic cameras for YouTube. I know, like ridiculous, 8K. And they were it was a vegan channel. They were doing it on a uh, on a commercial kitchen. They had a paid a professional actress who was vegan uh, hosting the show and they were very consistent uh published one video a week for a year and uh after about a year they came to me and they said hey tim we're, we're in a one-on-one -on -one session They're like we have invested hundreds of thousands of dollars into this channel and um why does our top video only have 24 views right they're like this is the most this is the best quote unquote best cooking vegan channel there is on youtube uh and by best they meant production quality and by production quality i would agree it, i have never seen anything more beautiful and i'm not even vegan i'm like that looks amazing i could eat that right <laughs> um but here's the kicker for them we've invested hundreds of thousands of this dollars in this why is their top video only has 24 views but there's this kid over here in his basement with a webcam getting millions of views what the heck like our content is quote unquote better. We have professional content. We know what we're doing. We put hundreds of thousands. This guy's doing cheap stuff. He's not even editing his videos. Why is he outperforming us? And I, I said like, well, I watched a bunch of your videos preparing for our session here together. And I still don't even know your host's name. Who is she? Oh, well, we intentionally wanted to keep her out of it because we wanted it to be about the food and the ingredients and not like, and not the person. I'm like, yeah, but. People connect to people better than they connect to food. Some of us connect to food pretty well. So, right? but, but like people connect to people and like, and this is a vegan channel. Like that kid in his basement, he's not editing, but I know what his name is. I know why veganism matters to him. I know what's like, why, like veganism especially comes with beliefs behind it. Like I know what he believes about this. He's forming a community of other people who share this belief with him that he is leading the charge for but around this community. And like and, and people aren't clicking for production value here. They're connect they're clicking for connection value. It's not about the presentation. It's about the conversation. This is social media that's that we're that we're using here. And and so they they got what I think a lot of people get wrong is like we think it's about professionalism and, and production quality, and there does need to be a level of professionalism there because it can't be distracting, especially as more and more people are on their mobile phones, they're listening through the earbuds. Like you need really good high quality audio that doesn't make them cringe and distract them and things like that. But there's that there's like a diminishing there's a point of diminishing returns where 8K is just a little bit unnecessary, <laughs> you know. Focus more on that human connection. 
of why you guys matter to us. And that human connection will go really, really far in growing your channel and, and holding people's attention, getting them to come back to watch, watch more from you and consuming more and more and telling their friends and just an overall successful channel as a whole. Yeah. Well, th okay, these are great sorry. examples. Those are great <laughs> examples. And I, and I love it because you're, you're absolutely right. And I think this leads into, um, you know, one of the, I want to make sure there's a couple other questions from the community. I want to make sure we get to, but the, the kind of the, where I wanted to end our questions today is, uh, you know, and I think this ties in really nicely is that we're, we've been talking primarily about YouTube and that's your expertise. And I, you know, I don't want to push you outside of that expertise cause that's, that's clearly where you are. But I think there's a question like uh, for all these organizations out there, like, uh, you know, I don't know what that, that organization was that was doing the 8k vegan channel, but like, should should organizations, should people be going to YouTube or should they like, you know, let's say TechSmith, for an example, we are on YouTube, but we also have our own platforms for distributing video. And, you know, we got a TechSmith Academy where like, should people be still trying to get on YouTube? Like if you're a brand, if you're a small brand, should YouTube be a place that you go to? Or, um, you know, you talked a lot about the barriers. Yeah. Is, it, is it worth it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let me answer point a which i don't think it was a point you were making but you you kind of hit on it and i'm like well that was good where yeah the people who are on multiple platforms and like not everyone's on youtube you have facebook instagram tiktok twitch you know snapchat like wherever it doesn't really matter um even on your website the people that we're working with who start implementing this stuff on their youtube channel these principles translate to wherever you're contacting people and that if that's your blog if that's in your podcast like these human connection things, like it's not just a YouTube strategy. It's overall, how do I connect with people? And so they found that when they take these strategies that we've been talking about here and not only apply them to just their YouTube videos, but now their podcasts are focused more on human connection and stories and their Instagram posts and their Instagram stories or whatever. I'll do it like it just where it helps human connection wherever you do it will help your platform grow. Now, when it comes to YouTube specifically, yeah, I think there absolutely is still an opportunity to be here, especially if you jump into it with this type of perspective and more like I'm going after a human connection rather than a technical production level strategy. I'm going after this from a storytelling strategy. Uh, and I'd rec highly rec recommend a good book called Primal Branding, which goes into the seven main signals that people need to have in order to quickly fall in love with your brand and your content and become like develop a cult-like following around your stuff. Primal Branding is a really, by Patrick Hanlon, uh, is a really, not sponsored, I feel like I have to say that as a YouTuber, but like, <laughs> it is a really good book. Um, so yeah, if you jump in with that perspective, it doesn't really matter which platform you're jumping in at. Um, you will quickly win over all the people who are just focused on like, the keyword stuffing and the uh, the technical stuff and aren't making connections and things like that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And thank you thank you so much. And if, if you can stick around for just a few more minutes, we'll ask a couple more questions from our audience. Yep. But mm -hmm. thanks. I want to just make sure we thank everybody that's tuned in today, that's listening on the podcast after the fact. We appreciate the the support. And of course, we appreciate questions because it, I think it makes a richer discussion. So, so Tim, Todd wants to know, he says, I'm planning to create a help slash support for channel for CAD software. I'm thinking <laughs> to use a green screen with the software on it and do some interaction with it. Uh, any thoughts about how that might work? And he does call out that he's a Snagit user and Camtasia user. So thank you, Todd. We always appreciate users here. So, so what do you think? Got it's a, it's from a visual approach. You got green screen. You can have your, yeah, I think it's you know, great. 
Yeah, the, the the whatever format or approach you want to take that you feel justice does the best justice to the content you're delivering. Um, I think what you just that's the way you want to go, and that makes sense to me. Um, my input would be kind of what we've been talking about here is that it's really not about the CAD software, but it's about what you're enabling people to build and the pride and the confidence they get from that process. So always bringing it back to the thing your customer slash viewer actually wants and not just the thing that you're trying to give them. That is going to be the key to making this successful for you and having a brand that revolves around that. Yeah. And you know, as, as you've been, talking about these things, the thing that comes to mind, and we say this a lot on, on here in the visual lounge and other places that it's that your, those stories are allowing you to make the content relevant and relevance is a huge thing, right? Like if it's not relevant to me, I don't care what, you know, like your right. lawnmower example, that's awesome. That, that worked for you. I don't, I don't have a zero point turn lawnmower, so I don't care. I'm never going to watch that video, right? Like it's no. never going to be relevant to me. So, right. uh, but I, I love that the stories can help make that connection and make those, re- that those points relevant. So that's, that's, that's and if awesome. If you do get a lawnmower, don't get one that's 25 years old. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll remember that. And I'm like, okay, I'll make it. Ah, but it's all good now. You're, you're, you're paying one way or the other, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely true. Yeah. <laughs> so just a, another comment here. Uh, Randy says great content comes from taking the time and putting together a great cinematic video. This is why B-roll is so important. Yes, it takes longer, but the final product is awesome. So I think that goes to what you talked about is like, make something that's good enough. Like, uh, you know, you don't need 8k, but if, if your content is going to be super visual, make sure the visuals work for whatever you're making. Yeah, and always make the story. Make sure the story performs, because the B roll should be there to support the story and help carry it forward visually. Uh, but I mean, we're work, we we uh, worked with a um, channel, uh, uh, Sammy the Bull Gravano. He's like the the main um, mafia underboss, um, and that finally out of prison and um, for cooperating with the feds. And he's just doing a channel where literally he just sits down in front of a chair and just talks no visuals, no B-rolls. And he has he got hundreds of thousands of subscribers in a few weeks and he's growing really rapidly because he's just sitting there literally just telling good and you stories. Now his stories are bigger than life. And he's the guy that like Grand Theft Auto, <laughs> a lot of these, uh, these movies, mafia movies are made about, but um, so he just has some bigger than life stories. But the point is still there. He's making a connection with viewers and he's using the curiosity to his advantage and his titles and thumbnails and getting them to click. Even if you've never heard of Sammy the Bull, you just see that, that headline and you're like, what is that? Like that actually happened. And you hear him telling his story. So, um, yeah, just, uh, even without the B-roll, the story still wins. Well, and I, I think it's worth pointing out that the, it's interesting, even, you know, some of the other examples you shared earlier, you don't need to be that big huge personality. And I think, I mean, all, all credit to you, Tim. Like, so one of the videos I watched is, was your, uh, your health update that you took a break from YouTube yeah. for a, a little while, take care of yourself. And I, you know, obviously I, I know you and I'm invested in like in your success and cause I want that for you. Um, but I, you know, I just watched it and I was like, oh my gosh. Cause you know, and having interviewed you and other uh, people at Video Marketing World, which is if anyone wants to go see those interviews on the Techsmith Academy, that was something that came up that like in our cuts that we didn't put in, but people talked about like, Hey, YouTube, like people that do YouTube, it's hard. It's, there's a lot of depression. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are struggling and, and, you know, or just a, we, as we talked before, just the pressure to perform like, okay, I'm, I'm at this level, but how do I now get to this level? Where's the next 
client going to yeah. come from? And I mean, a lot of people, not just on YouTube, but a lot of people suffer those things. So I watched that video and it was, and it was like, I didn't feel like I needed to go do something else. I could just, it really drew me in as like, I care about this person. I, I'm interested in this person's well-being. I want to make sure they're okay. Um, and so I think it doesn't, you don't, you don't have to be like, you're a pretty humble guy. You don't, you know, you're not talking, you're not like talking big stories like, yeah, one time when I was out on with all the YouTubers getting, you know, you don't need those stories, right? Like you can just be who you are and, and make those yeah. stories work. I think it's an important part here. Those are the stories uh, and yeah, the video, I think in the thumbnail was like life after breakdown. And I have been gone for like three months. I haven't published a video and people are like, what happened? You know, so it sparked some, again, that curiosity, that tension got people into it. And uh, yeah, I can have, I can talk about the things we've done for YouTube as a client of ours, you know, and I can talk about the 12 million plus subscriber channels that we've, we've done strategy for and help them grow and things like that. But at the end of the day, I mean, the right word for this. It's not about like just bragging and look how awesome I am, but it's like, Hey, I'm like you. And that's what people want to connect to is like, yeah, I felt stressed before, even if I don't own a business, like I felt stressed. I felt, um, yeah, like that, that is like the more human thing. And I personally would rather talk with someone that I feel like I have a connection with than someone who's just done a lot of cool stuff. And to me, that's where I'd rather go with my content. And I'm trying to do more of that. I'm, like I said, like it was once easier for me to sit down and do talking head three points be done, but I'm kind of tired of that. And it is lazy content for me. And now I am trying to figure out what does the next version look like? Level two, version 2.0 of our content. I'm really excited about what's coming uh, in the future where I think it's going to be a lot more about my struggles of trying to grow a business around the YouTube channel. So, and there's lots of those. So I got plenty of content for that, but it's going to take a lot longer to make that content than just sitting down talking about it. So we'll see how it goes. Well, Tim, I want to uh, first and foremost, just thank you so much for sharing some of your wisdom, your ideas and thoughts. It's, uh, you know, I always, I always love when I come to these interviews and I, I feel like, man, I just got the deal of a lifetime because I got to sit and listen and learn from, <laughs> from someone so fantastic. So first and foremost, thank you for that. I do yeah, want to ask anything you want to pr promote pitch, where should go people find you? Cause I know you've just made kind of the, the switch from being a, like focus really heavily on your YouTube channel to really running your business, yeah. helping other YouTube channels. So where, where should they go? Yeah. If, you, if anyone's out there and you're like, Hey, I'm trying to, how do I start implementing that stuff on my channel? And you're like, I just really need some insights and help how to do this. You just go to videocreators.com slash consulting and you can book a session, one-on-one -on -one session with me or with one of the other amazing strategists on my team. And we would love to spend an hour just diving into your session or diving into your, your channel and really helping you unlock what the next steps are for you to take it to the next level. So um, we really love doing that. And for us, it really isn't just about more views and more subscribers, but we really deeply believe here, this is about maybe I heard that like, this is about putting people first. And this is about using this as a platform that we can use to reach more people and change their lives with the messages that we're spreading in a way that makes it financially sustainable for us and maybe our audience and others as well. So we get really excited about that and we really love people uh, helping people reach, reach more lives and change, change their lives with the messages. So yeah, videocreators.com slash consulting would be the best place to go. 
And oh, and if you just want podcasts, I do got Video Creators Podcast every week as well. Just search iTunes for Video Creators and you should find us. Perfect. And I know Jesse put the link in the chat so you guys can get access to that nice and easily. Well, Tim, thank you so much for, for joining us. It's it's always a pleasure to talk with you and we're glad that you're you're doing well and that and we look forward to hearing and seeing more of your stories and successes that you have over the next year. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You bet. So real quick, as we wrap things up here today, just, you know, make sure you go check out Tim's stuff. He, so many great things, so many great advice. I watched another one of his videos. I, I shared it internally because I'm like, this is, this is what we need. This is what we're talking about. So really awesome stuff there. And, uh, just would recommend that if you, if you're learning how to make video, you're not sure how to get started. We've got the TechSmith Academy, go to academy.techsmith.com. Check that out as well, because we want to help people. That's what we're about. And hopefully it's humanized enough that you connect with it and find that it is relevant. Plus, just a little hint, we did some redesign. So it's all new organizational stuff. Make it even easier to find the content that you're looking for. Well, that's going to wrap us up today. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. And we want to thank Jesse uh, O'Donnell for helping out with social media. We want to thank everybody that's asked questions. And, of course, just for watching and listening, make sure you tune in to every week as we talk to fantastic people and share more advice to help you show what you know. Talk to you later. <laughs>